0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swampson, Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for November 22nd. It's a Wednesday. It must mean, that must mean it's Thanksgiving week 2023. Danny Flecka is alongside. Hello, Danny. Hey, man. How's it going? Ah, it's one of the best weeks of the year. Uh, one of the not best weeks. One of the busiest. However, you look at the Thanksgiving calendar and holiday. How much of this holiday are you cooking yourself?
1: everything we have is cooked it is you know homemade so whatever's on the table will be made by somebody um whether it's me we'll wait to see but um mostly everything will be
0: so folks that's made. why he's been uh, not giving us his latest golf updates because he's been spending that time cooking and and and, and prepping for the holiday um uh, one note that I I, I just want to point out that you know I've been wanting Tim Boyle as as uh, Jets quarterback and then you make Trevor Simeon the backup for Friday and you put Zach Wilson third the emergency quarterback in your mind has Zach Wilson thrown his last pass in in the NFL or as a Jet it's like is that move to make him three versus two for Zach is that like like we need to go a very different direction immediately kind of thing in your mind?
1: I would think that. However, we saw the same exact thing happen last year with them uh, when they made Mike White the starter and Joe Flacco was the backup. And then you know, later in the year, they went back to Zach Wilson when Mike White got hurt. You know, conventional knowledge should, you know, I thought last year might have been the last we saw Zach Wilson in New York. Uh, they, they opted to keep Zach over Mike White. Um, you know, they were unable to come to grips with the decision, uh, that they made and that it was a wrong one. And this year, you know, we're kind of seeing history repeat itself a little bit with this, you know, with this situation. I would, I would think. That Zach Wilson is done with the Jets, you know, whether or not he's done in the NFL, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see that, you know, there could be a team, a coach, or somebody that could look at Zach Wilson and see that, you know, maybe it's just a scenario, you know, could he be Sam Darnold 2.0, um, you know, Geno Smith 2.0, you know, who knows, although one would argue that, you know, Sam Darnold and Geno Smith at least had a pulse when they were out there playing for the Jets, even if they weren't winning a ton of games. I don't see how you can go back to him at all this year. I don't understand, you know, what type of coaching he's been getting, what type of game plan installations they've had with him, whatever it's been in the last two years with Salah there at, as coach. It just hasn't worked. Uh, you know, there were some weird remarks by him too this this week about maybe not necessarily the wanting Zach Wilson on the team from the beginning, you know, yeah. throughout the entire draft process. It just seems like it's been a very forced relationship, um, you know, whether that's from Woody Johnson, whether that's from Joe Douglas. You know, we will never know, I think, completely unless something comes up. And, and it could. You never know. But I just think that whatever they were doing with Zach, it was not working. Um, last year we kind of saw the team quit when Zach Wilson came back onto the field for them. This year, I think we're kind of seeing the same thing happen. You know, I don't have much hope for Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon being thrown out there. Their offensive line has been an absolute mess. Oh. Uh, their play calling yeah. has been unimaginative. Uh, you know, at, at least you can hope that maybe these guys will like throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, you kind of seen it with like Devito a little bit with the Giants, right? Like, he's not good by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, last week we saw them, like, throw the ball and push the ball. You know, they were able to get some completions against that, you know, that defense in Washington. And that's what, you know, at this point I think as a fan of the Jackson, as a, of the Giants or anything with a backup QB, it's like we're already playing with one hand tied behind our back. Let's not make it tilt. Um, you know, at least take some chances. At least make some throws. Get the ball to your playmakers. And then what, what happened happened after that. If Zach Wilson steps back on the field for the Jets, I mean, you could... a mutiny might, might occur. Um, <laughs> so but I think that's, you know... It, it's a shame there's been some sparks this year with him, a little bit better than last year, I thought, in certain games, like the Chiefs game. He was definitely locked in and, and was able to execute, you know, to a pretty high level, except for a couple mistakes he had. But these last couple games... If it weren't for the Giants game, um, and that comeback that they had, you know, we may have seen this down a little bit sooner. So he bought himself a couple of weeks, I think, with that win, but, you know, the Buffalo game was, was bad, was really, really bad, and, you know, I, I think they had no other choice, but it's, it's not like going to Tim Boyle, to me, represents any sort of upgrade for them long-term, um. I'd be surprised if they're even able to get ten to
0: 15, ten to fourteen points with him as a, as their starter moving forward. Ooh, ooh! Harsh words. We shall see how that turns out. Um, starting this Friday on Black they've, Friday. Had,
1: they've scored ten touchdowns in nine games. It's really hard to see how they get any better with Tim Boyle. He's not anything special, so it's just going to. They're going to need a lot of big plays to occur. Them to be being games short fields and, and even then I, I don't know if they have the execution at the quarterback level to make things happen
0: it would be a lot of things having to come together in a very nice symbiotic way for sure uh, which has not happened uh, to this point um, alright the game Ohio State Michigan here it is if you want to play in the playoff yes there's chaos scenarios we'll, we'll, we will talk about that next week if it comes to it but if you want to play in the playoff you can punch your ticket by winning this game um where are you right now and you're thinking of how this goes on saturday
1: yeah i think we're seeing michigan coming to this game a little bit shaken up um what you know there's some rumblings i mean mccarthy's a little dinged up um Their defense didn't look that great last week. Their offensive line has been having some troubles with pass protection. And then you have, you know, Ohio State, which has had a couple of easy wins the last couple of weeks. You know, they played Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota leading up to this game. You know, they've been able to put up some points. So now you're looking at Ohio State. You're you're saying this Kyle McCord starting to roll, you know, fold into somebody that's going to be a capable quarterback for Ohio State. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, you're looking at Michigan, and saying, "Did they run out of their magic? And is the Jim Harbaugh effect taking place now?" I think it's a little bit of you know Michigan just being worn out emotionally uh, over the last couple of weeks with everything that's been going on. Uh, at least they have some finality in what was what's been happening. And to me, I think we're going to see their best game on Saturday. You know, it's at home. Their defense has been relentless this year. They've had an edge over this Ohio State team the last couple of years. I don't think McCord's a good quarterback. You know, not, not, not even close to some of the guys they've put out there the last couple of years. And their hope is that Marvin Harrison really dictates this game for them. And I think Michigan will do everything in their power to not let that happen. I think up front, Michigan needs to get back to kind of what made them successful early on in the year really strong run game play action off of that utilize their tight ends i do think that there's a lot of opportunity here for michigan to really flex their muscles so to, so to speak I, I think we talked about this the last couple of times we've seen ohio state play you know some better teams i go back to that notre dame game you know with a physical defense a physical offensive line i think we're going to see a very similar type of game script there we saw it against penn state uh, even though they were able to kind of hold that game in check for most of the time, um, you know, there were moments there where the Penn State defense was absolutely overwhelming Ohio State. Uh, I think we can see that happen in this game as well. I just think Michigan has been leading up to this moment. Again, it's been a very emotional couple of weeks for them. They understand what's at stake here. They've been in this position the last three years. Uh, Ohio State still needs to be able to answer that bell. Um, of being able to beat physical teams and yeah they were able to beat Notre Dame and they're able to be Penn State but I don't think either of those teams had the same sort of talent level uh that or coaching that you know Michigan has had the last couple of years. So I I'm leaning Michigan. I I just think that they've been the best team of these two all year. If it weren't for some outside circumstances, I think Michigan would be heading into this game as close to a touchdown favorite, they're only a three point favorite right now. Uh so I, I everything is lining up I think here for, for Michigan to kind of push back a little bit on the narratives we've heard the last couple of weeks and I just don't think McCord has that in him to win this type of game just yet. Even with Marvin Harrison and some of the weapons they have offensively, I think Michigan's gonna really dial in on this game and make sure that they kind of put, you know, quiet people up a little bit.
0: When you look at this game, and and you and I have talked a lot about how mature Marvin Harrison is, um, this could be his last college football game. I mean, and yeah. I just, what?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they don't make the playoff,
0: right? Um, it, yeah, yeah, yes, thank you. If if in, 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 in the non-chaos uh, uh, scenario, they don't make the playoff, and I, I I do wonder if at some point this becomes. Not a win it for the Gipper type scenario, but like he's been such, you know, so much the soul of that team, and if that can carry them over the edge, edge, I'm with you. I, I, I think Michigan's the better team. I just wonder how much the rivalry plus Marvin matters in any of this. If you see what I'm saying?
1: yeah. yeah I think I would argue that the other side of the ball has a bigger. Motive, bigger motivations than, than Marvin Harrison's last college game. That is um, true. Yes. The way Michigan's been attacked as a program this year, the way that Harbaugh has been, been scaped out to be this horrible individual, uh, the game's at home, 100,000 plus people screaming in your face, uh, Ryan Day sort of being this you know villain that he's created for himself with various connections to the you know, uh, Private investigation firm being the one that leaked the information. Who knows what's true, right? You know the fans will make up whatever they need to make up to be motivated for this game, um, even though it's you know one of the biggest games of the year each year. And I think Michigan has all the emotional cards in this game, uh, regardless of who Marvin Harrison is and what he's done for Ohio State. He's just another blip on the radar for that team, as far as you know skill position players are concerned. I mean, you look at the NFL, you see Garrett Wilson. Jackson Smith and Jake White, C.J. Stroud, all these guys that are you know just been pumped through that program, and they have nothing to show for it um, because they haven't been able to beat Michigan the last couple of years. So I just think Michigan holds the advantage in every way, shape, and form as far as you know emotional, uh, physical, you know whatever you want to say. You know for this game that they hold that edge. So I think they have. A bigger chip on their shoulder in this game.
0: Okay, so now what rivalry game is next on your, um, is the next one you're really keeping an eye out on?
1: Well, Friday we have a pretty big game between Oregon and Oregon State. You know, from a playoff perspective, that game means a lot. You know, if Oregon is able to win that game, They're looking at going to the Pac-12 championship game, potential rematch with Washington, actual rematch with Washington if they win that game. And that could be a huge game for what we see from a playoff uh, committee standpoint. You know, Oregon's kind of lurking with that number six seed right now. How can that, how can that, you know, catapult them up into really being uh, talked about? Uh, as you know, one of the top four teams that are going to be playing in that college football playoffs. That's the number. That's probably the biggest game, um, outside of Michigan, Ohio State from a playoff perspective, you know, where those teams will line up. Um, and then you look at some other, you know, lower radar games, but still very important games in, in the grand scheme of it all. You know, Alabama making sure they're taking care of business against Auburn, you know, going into that. That SEC championship game with one loss against a, a Georgia team that's uh, most likely going to be undefeated. Uh, we'll definitely play a big, big, you know, be a big thing as far as, you know, what it is we're going to see for that conversation next week uh, when we start to see some seeding pop out uh, for those championship for that potential playoff bracket. And Florida, Florida State is another interesting one. Um, you know, Terrible injury to Travis last week for Florida State. They they got pushed down from four to five. Not surprising, given who Washington played. Uh, but how does the committee view Florida State after this game? Do they stand pat at five if they win? Um, does their seeding matter because they don't have Travis? You know, how is the committee going to evaluate Florida State moving forward with them still having? Two games left and the opportunity to finish undefeated. You know what does that look like for them? Do they have to win in style? Do they have to blow teams out? Are they going to be penalized for not having a top tier quarterback? Does the committee want a backup quarterback in the playoff if they go undefeated? You know, there's a lot of intrigue that's that's surrounding Florida State right now. If they lose, it's a different story, right? We don't really have to worry about it too much. But you know, they're going to be favored against Florida. They're going to be favored against Louisville in the ACC championship game. And I guess it's like, how does the committee view Florida State now? If we have, you know, Georgia, let's say Michigan wins, we have Georgia, Michigan, um, Oregon, Washington, a one-loss Bama, a one-loss Washington, a one-loss Texas. You know, how is the committee going to view them compared to those teams next week? And obviously, the championship games will settle the score, so to speak, in that sense. But I think it's going to be interesting just to see what type of performance Florida State puts out there, and then on top of that, how are they evaluated externally from that.
0: One, one more college question. When you look at the Iron Bowl and the way Alabama has gotten better and better, one can argue, as the season has gone on, then there's the Texas question, which we'll get to next week because Texas beat them you know, way back in week two. Is, 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 if you were playing a rivalry game and then you have the SEC championship, is this almost in your mind, win emphatically and win in, and win emphatically? Is, is it almost like this is Alabama needing to crush Auburn this week, if you get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and it would be the best case scenario, right, if you're an Alabama or a Texas team and you go in there this weekend and you flex your muscle and you set yourself up for that championship game um, knowing that you don't have any other room for error. You know, a loss for either of those teams and you're out. So what other opportunity do you have to really showcase your abilities other than beating the teams that are in front of you? So if you're Alabama, you want the discussion to be who comes out of the SEC if they win the SEC championship game, is it a one loss Georgia team because they're, you know, back to back defending national champions or is it an Alabama team that beat Georgia and is, you know, at one loss? And same with Texas, right? You have to, if you're Texas, you have to look at this and say, we're still competing against four other teams here for a spot and we can't control what's going to happen with them, but we can't control what's going to happen with us. So the, the better their wins look. You know, the better it is for them, but there's still a lot of leapfrogging that has to occur there. I, I think next weekend is going to be absolutely fascinating to see. You know, where these teams line up. Um, you know, there's some teams you can already eliminate if they lose the game this weekend, but you know, there's still a lot left to be played for, and how it all shakes out will will be determined next weekend. But you know, if Alabama and Texas roll into these games this weekend, put their stamp on it and be like, we can be the best one-loss team out there. That's that's what you need to do because it, it could very well come down to, you know, who's the best one-loss team um, that, that is out there. Even if you won your championship game, um, you know, you need to be able to say, you know, we, we've done this against the teams we played against.
0: Which brings us... Uh, Dan Flecker with us here on Seeing It Up, which brings us down to the NFL, uh, where it's all about resumes and resumes to be put in uh, starting positions or resumes for teams. Um, as you look at Thanksgiving, what catches your eye?
1: Yeah, I think that you know we've we've come out of out of you know each week and said you know the AFC is loaded, they're this and they're that, and I think after the dust settled on Monday night I think we have a very wide open NFL this year I agree um Baltimore got lucky last Thursday with the injury to Joe Burrow I think that game was going to come down to the wire uh, the second I put my chips on the Bengals I lost you know that bet um don't imagine them really competing for much but you have the Dolphins Ravens Jaguars and Chiefs right now leading um their, their their respective divisions, with Houston, with Cleveland, Houston, and Pittsburgh in there, in the playoffs right now. I mean, I look at the Ravens; they're probably the most well-rounded team. But that loss of Mark that loss of Mark Andrews is really going to hurt them long term. I think. When it comes down to it, uh, the Chiefs. I think we spoke about it last week. Hopping on it and again this week, they don't have that true number one wide receiver, and I think it's really hurting them.
0: Yeah, Show showed on I think, Monday.
1: I think they put up a stat on Monday night that they've scored they've averaged five point nine points per game in the second half. Crazy. That's that's incredible. Um, they, they need to be able to be more balanced, and they just have not been able to be that this year. Uh, Jaguars, I don't trust. Dolphins, I don't trust. Browns. You know, if they make it to the playoffs, they're looking at having a backup QB. Uh, guide them. Houston, they've been really, really fun to talk about, but you're, you're talking about playing road games with a rookie coach and a rookie QB in the playoffs, that's going to be tough. Pittsburgh, I don't see making it, so you know, I'm not even going to waste my breath on them. They're not very good. Um, and I think you look at Buffalo. Buffalo may be that one team that if they sneak in there and they get the right matchup, and they, they go on the road to say like Jacksonville, or you know, play Miami, a team that they know that they can beat. I think Buffalo might be that team in the AFC if they can get through and get in there and just have the right matchup. They could be that one team uh, that could really challenge, I think, Kansas City and Baltimore uh, when it comes down to it. And in the NFC, I think it's so top-heavy. But uh, Philadelphia, San Fran, Dallas, and, and Detroit, you know, those are probably the main horses in, in that race there. And uh, You look at Detroit, they've just not been consistent enough defensively I think to, to cause problems for say Philadelphia, San Fran or Dallas but they, their offense has been very unique and explosive this year so I think you know it's still so wide open you know even with Philadelphia winning on the road in Kansas City there is something a little off with their offense and again I've kind of said that all year too like they just don't look completely nope. cohesive each and every single week and a lot of it will be matchup dependent. You know, I think when you look at the NFC, if you're Philly, you don't want to see Dallas. And you don't want to see San Francisco until you, you, know, until you absolutely have to. So winning the number one seed for them would be very, very big. But they still have a tough schedule left. You know, with Buffalo, I think they play San Fran, Dallas one more time. There's still a lot here just kind of sort itself out um you know no team i think is really out of it until they're out of it and we may look and say you know look at their record look at their schedule there's no chance i mean i didn't think i didn't think houston would be where they are right now i I certainly didn't think pittsburgh would be competing for uh, uh, a wild card spot because their offense is just absolutely atrocious Uh, and i thought the bills would be better than six and five so you know, there's still a lot left here to play for. I just, I, I think we're going to go down to the wire really at the end of the day. At, at the end of the season, we're going to look back and say like this game maybe swung it here and there, but there's still a lot left to sort out in the NFL. I just don't, don't feel comfortable stating, okay, this is the team that's going to be, be the team, right? It's just, just too much variance, I think, especially with the way injuries have occurred this year. I think Ooh, it was just injuries
0: doing, at that. Yeah, I think I was doing the math the
1: other day. I think 15 teams have had a backup quarterback start at least one Ooh. game this year. Ooh. And I think when I was watching the Giants game, they showed that 10 of those quarterbacks have been rookies. Um, so there's just a lot of variance this year, um, a ton. So we're going to have to wait and see how it all shakes out. You know, There's still eight more weeks left or seven more weeks left. A lot can happen in that time.
0: Danny Fleck with us here. i teaming up. All right, give me insights into three games: uh, San Fran Seattle on Thanksgiving night, Jacksonville Houston, and then uh, B- uh, uh, Buffalo Philly. Yeah. So San Fran versus Houston, uh, San Fran versus um,
1: Seattle. It, I, I just don't know what Seattle's going to be trotting out there on Thursday night. They seem to have half their team on the injury report. Geno Smith. Questionable. Kenneth Walker's most likely out. Lockett's from the injury report. Um, Metcalf's on the injury report. Their offensive line is a little bit streaking up. You know, I, I think we said this when Seattle was like was number one, um, in the West. Like, I don't think that time's gonna be that long lived for them. And, and here it is, right? Here comes San Fran. A win kind of muddies that up a little bit, but I think again, San Francisco to me is just one of those teams that's just too well-rounded, too focused right now. Brock Party's playing absolutely amazing. They have their full complement on offense uh, available to him. Just don't see how Seattle can stop him and, and that team right now. Um, you know, they, they need an epic defense performance. I think to be able to to even be. Close in this game, and if Drew Locke is starting that game, you know, it's an automatic loss for them. Uh, there, there's no way I think Drew Locke can compete with, with the 49ers on a short week, uh, given the way the 49ers are playing right now. Uh, Houston Jacksonville, I mean, Houston beat them up pretty bad when they played earlier this year, and, and Jacksonville had some, uh, had a good performance last week. I just don't see it with them. Um, I, I get it. They beat up on a bad Titans team, but overall, you know, I think the way that Jacksonville's played this year, it's really hard to trust them to be able to go on the road and be a divisional opponent. Houston's had their numbers. Stroud's been really good. Uh, this offense has been humming. You know, if it wasn't for three interceptions last week, you know, Houston could have beaten Arizona 28-16 or, you know, 31-16. Um, you know, some some self-inflicted wounds there really – uh cost them in that game. But you know, they're playing well. They they're riding a wave right now. Uh if Jacksonville can knock them off, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. They're they're you know have a really good defense and, and you know when Lawrence is on, he's on. They're just still there's something missing there. They're not as explosive as they were last year. They're also not consistent enough, you know, throughout the course of a game. To really run away with anything, so I think that's going to be a really tightly contested game. Uh, I'd lean Houston in that game, just given the way that they've been playing, the way Stroud's been throwing the ball. Um, he's the better quarterback right now, um, and that's really, you know, unique to be saying of a rookie uh, going up against Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence just has not been good this year, so hopefully he's able to string it together. But you know, I used to see it before I can say anything more on that. In Philadelphia, Buffalo, you know, Philadelphia's kept things close against good teams, you know, a Dallas game, Kansas City game. You know, they, they've, they definitely weathered some storms here and here comes in Buffalo. You know, despite Buffalo dominating the Jets on, on Sunday, you know, at what cost? Um, they lost several defensive players. Josh Allen still looks just a little bit off. Um, you know, from a passing side. You know, he's not able to hit that deep ball. Uh, teams are playing really, you know, shell coverage over them, forcing them to dick and dunk their way down. Josh Allen's just not patient enough to play that style. Um, so we'll see what, what Philadelphia can do here. I think, you know, one thing we mentioned is that, you know, Philadelphia was getting a little bit healthier on their back end. In their secondary, And then we start to see their defensive line sort of benefit from that. And I thought their defensive line played pretty well. On on Monday night, you know, Mahomes made Mahomes type plays, but they seem to be getting back there pretty consistently on Monday night. Now, can they turn around in a short week against another pretty mobile quarterback, athletic quarterback? We'll see. Um, I you have to, you know, again, going to Philadelphia and playing is really, really hard. Uh, you know, Buffalo is an underdog for a reason. You know, Josh Allen's gonna have to play an absolutely amazing game, I think, on Sunday for them to be able to go in there and win that game.
0: It'll be fun to watch. Don't drop the football. That's also a big key. Don't drop. For every receiver in the NFL, don't drop. <laughs> See the ball come to your chest. Success. Um, it'll all be fun to watch. Uh, Dane Flecka, thank you for joining us on teaming Up with Jeremy Shine. No problem,
1: man. Have a
0: good one. You got it. And everybody out there, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend.